All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Grandin Group Presents The Lockbox, brought to you by Arizona's number one brother and sister real estate team, The Grandin Group, right out here in beautiful, sunny Scottsdale, Cave Creek, Prescott, Flagstaff, Arizona. We are all over the place. So, and today my uh, great co-host, Angela, is not with us again today. She had another training, which... It's never fun because everyone likes watching her, and she tells us about mortgages and all that fun stuff. So Hendrick's team, VIP Mortgage, she will be here on the next episode. And uh, so today's episode, I wanted to make sure we get a good lead into, and it's going to be, I think we're going to call today's episode Leadership. What do you think, Robin? So everything going on, Arizona, is, first of all, is the best place in the world to live. We, we No mask. You get a, it's free. It's great. We've had perfect weather for August. It's been great. So uh, one of the things I, I got an email on a few weeks ago was about HOAs. And so a lot of the homes, you guys move here to the, the valley, and you're going to find that, ah, I live in an HOA community. Now, there are some pros and cons about living in an HOA. HOAs, first of all, have a ton of power. And it was set up a while back when no one was listening. People that were uh, basically attorneys and stuff were writing these laws that gave HOAs so much power that you know you move into these communities and now you really can't do much unless you agree to their rules. So, the uh, there's a couple things to know. First of all, you have a board for an HOA, and generally, for the most part, overall good board we live in uh, is great. And they hire a property management company. Different story. So the board dictates to the property management company, and then they start setting standards for the community. And and this is what's great about living in an HOA. Your neighbor's not going to have a pink house when yours is blue. You got good landscaping, uh, upkeep, community events. Those are some of the positives. But as you as the world the way it is now, this is everybody will relate to this. The cons. Now we have people that get on the HOA and all of a sudden are fulfilled with power, much like a lot of the people in our government, which we'll get to in our guest, who's awesome by the way. And uh, so now we have instead of the HOA president coming to you and saying, "Hey, you know what, Jason, you left your trash can out after five o'clock. Can you bring it in?" Now they're just going ahead and calling the attorneys, which is costing you money, and they're sending you a letter from the HOA attorney saying, yep, you better get that trash can in, or you better uh, change that plan, or this or that. So these are the kind of things that we need to start focusing on if we're going to keep having a killer community like we do in Arizona. And so today, our guest is, is a huge, huge leader in the state of Arizona. In fact, I would venture to say, and he'll tell us, but I would venture to say when everything was starting uh, before shutdowns and all that stuff, he was one of the guys that got audit started. He's one of the guys that has been there for freedom and just making sure that we're not losing who we are as Americans. So I want to introduce you guys to Brian Mache. Hey, Jason. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Uh, Really wonderful words that you said there. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, Like I tell a lot of people, I'm just a dad who's trying to do the best for his kids um, <clears throat> got six kids and, uh, what I see coming is terrifying and it's definitely not the United States that I grew up in, not the Arizona that I grew up in. And, uh, I think we need to be heeding, uh, president Reagan's warning right now. Very, very, um, well that, you know, he said, um, you know, freedom is never more than one generation away. And he said, if we do not hold on to freedom here one day, we will wake up and we will be telling our children and our grandchildren about what it was once like to live in the United States. So he said that, you know, 30, 35 years ago, and it's becoming real here in the world that we're living in today. We're seeing things happen every day where government is out of control, school boards are out of control, 
businesses are out of control. The pharmaceutical industry is out of control. Everybody's out of control. So we need someone to uh, put people in check and understand that, you know, we're Americans and we're free and um, we need to hold on to that liberty. Well, and you're almost a native because you were almost, yes. You were here at one years old. So there's 50 million things you could have run for. So why have you decided to run for the top office in Arizona? Governor of Arizona. That's a great question. Um, So I've had a lot of people ask me that. I've had a lot of, uh, I have some friends that are in the Senate, some friends that are um, in the House, and they, you know, they've posed that exact same question. You know, why the the top level in the state, Brian? And it's pretty simple. Uh, I'm a veteran. I spent eight years in the United States Air Force and the Security Forces. Um, You know, I'm almost a lifelong Arizonan, 42 out of 43 years. I'm an ASU man. You know, and I look around at the candidates that are in this race, and honestly, I don't trust any of them that they will help secure liberty, that they have a real uh, plan in place to actually restore our freedoms, to stop the invasion of our southern border, to get control of our elections, um, to handle the COVID situation. Uh, I'm a master's prepared nurse, and uh, I understand COVID uh, better than anyone in the race. I was a pharmaceutical salesman for five years, so... Um, that was all previous to being a nurse. So I understand these studies. I've read the studies. You know, I, I've quoted these studies in public in different rallies and protests and events. And uh, none of the current candidates that are in this race um, can actually articulate, you know, the medical knowledge that's in these studies and teach it to the average everyday person and help them understand, you know, that mask you're wearing, it's useless. It doesn't do, yeah. any, it doesn't do anything for you. You know, the Annals of Internal Medicine, um, which is a... a, a well-respected journal in the eternal medicine world said back in uh, August of 2020, they did a study, uh, the Danish mass study. In that mask study, they had 5,000 people in the study between two cohorts, 2,500 apiece. And what they did was they looked at um, one cohort wore masks, the other one didn't. If you were outside of your house for more than eight hours a day, you would have a mask on. Um, Every six hours you were outside of your house, you were supposed to change your mask. The control group never wore masks at all. What they found after the end of this study was that there was literally zero statistical significance, okay, in, be, in the two groups in who actually got COVID and who didn't get COVID. Furthermore, they looked at what's called confidence interval. So if there's any statistics people out there, they know what confidence interval means. Um, in medicine, if you have a, um, a p-value that's less than 0.04, that shows that it's a strong study, Okay. Your confidence interval is how many times you can replicate that data over and over again. So this study had a confidence interval of 92. So 92 times out of 100, if they did this study over and over and over again, they would get the exact same results, which we all know these things don't work. Dr. Fauci's emails admitted it when uh, the Freedom of Information Act request was put in. And all of a sudden we got his emails and they say, well, you know, these really won't do much anything for you. They may stop uh, gross contamination and sputum if somebody sprays right on you. But ultimately, the micron size of this virus is way too small, and it passes right through the mask. So none of the people that are in this race have any healthcare experience whatsoever. Um, I've ran entire surgical floors in the hospital before. I've ran trauma teams on the weekend at the largest trauma hospitals in the Valley. Um, like I said, none of them are a veteran. None of them have a real plan to secure the border other than we're going to secure the border and finish the wall. I have an actual detailed plan that's written from a military perspective because my job when I was in the Air Force was as a military policeman in the security forces was to actually close down bases and stop bases uh, from being overrun, basically what's happening in Afghanistan right now. 
Um, that's what I did. That's what my career field was. So our, it was our job to repel an invasion. So I have a full detailed plan to actually do this that I know will work. I have no doubt. I don't trust the other people in the race that they have the sort of plan that I do and that they'll also be able to make that plan happen. So ultimately it comes down to, I want to give my kids the Arizona that I had. I want to give everyone else's kids the Arizona that we had. And I don't trust these other people to actually get the job done. Well, that's a really good point. So growing up out here in Arizona, you obviously, we ran out in the desert, rode horses, rode dirt bikes, drank out of a hose. Yes. And rode we, in the back of pickup trucks, right? right? Exactly. No yeah. seatbelt. And right. we grew up fine. Maybe, yeah. maybe a little messed up, but <laughs> no, we grew up fine. So at what point in Arizona did you decide you're, you're out here? And, and we'll get into some personal stuff sure. a little bit, because I think it's important, besides the fact that you're running for the highest office in Arizona as governor, I think people need to get to know who Brian is. Sure. And there's a lot of misconceptions out there because everybody always has an, let's face it, everybody has an opinion, right? Sure, absolutely. And so, I, you know, I want them to realize what caused you to say, okay, you know what? I love Arizona. I love living in this state. But you know what? I've got to do something. I mean, something happened yeah. in the past few years where you're like, this is, this is out of control. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, basically for me, um, you know, I, I was always interested in politics. I, uh, my first degree is in political science besides being a nurse. Um, but you know, I, I saw what was going on in the beginning of COVID and I knew that something was wrong. This didn't make sense. Uh, March 7th was the first diagnosed case of COVID in the United States. Uh, March 17th, I was already getting banned by Facebook for content that I was putting out. So 10 days later, uh, which speaks to the fact that obviously like social media was in on this big tech was in on this. Everybody was in on it because why would they just go and ban some little nurse, you know, out in Phoenix, Arizona, right. you know, what, what could he possibly know? Um, basically what I looked at was, you know, what's going on and the correlation of what's going on versus what the threat is. It's ridiculous, you know? And, you know, I just knew inside of me, I had this internal, um, voice telling me like, you need to do something about this. You know, you need to do this. So from the very beginning, I started speaking out. I was making Facebook videos. I was going live. I started attending all the rallies, all the protests, um, uh, what actually was the linchpin, I guess, which is kind of what you're getting at as far as deciding to run, uh, was back in May of last year, um, uh, 2020. That's when the legislative session ended early. They signed, he right. died and basically gave Jeez. all the power over to governor Ducey. Um, when they did that, um, you know, they took the vote there at the house to do it. I was down there with a group of friends. I just left the hospital. I was still in scrubs, had my badge on everything. And we were trying to lobby, you know, all the legislators like, hey, you know, you know, don't do this. Don't do this. We can't let one man have, you know, control of the entire state. And we started questioning people as they were coming out of the building. Well, I started questioning Republicans, Democrats, both just asking people what was going on, why they voted the way they did. One in particular state senator down in Tucson, uh, Victoria Steele, um, <clears throat> decided that she didn't want to be held accountable to her vote. Um, I approached her. I didn't even know who she was, you know. Uh, I, I, at the time, I didn't know what goes on in Tucson politics. You know, different story now, year and a half later. But uh, I approached Miss Steele. I um, just asked her some questions. The video is less than two minutes long, the interaction of her and I. No foul language. I wasn't waving my finger at people. I wasn't up in anybody's grill. You know, none of that. I just simply was asking her why she voted the way that she did. Uh, she commenced to pulling out her camera, going live, you know, basically trying to dox me or do this cancel culture. And um, I had just taken my exam for my family nurse practitioner license for here in Arizona. And um, I had passed the exam. 
so I, I'm, I am a nationally certified uh, family nurse practitioner. However, Ms. Steele decided to write the State Nursing Board of Arizona and make a formal complaint against me saying that I threatened her and harassed her and all this. None of it's true. Like the video is very plain to see that I didn't do any of that. There's DPS officers in the background. No one got arrested. No one got a ticket. No one got a talking to nothing. But literally one politician was upset and said, oh, I don't like being you know, held accountable to this, you know, to, to how she voted. She literally wrote the board, made this complaint. And people need to understand, you know, there's three branches of government. We all know this executive, legislative, judicial. There's the fourth branch. The fourth branch is the administrative state. And it does not matter, okay? This, is, this was the main reason why. Um, I've been in a legal battle with the state board now for a year and a half. I've spent probably twenty to $25,000 of my own money to try and fight this. I did nothing wrong. I was well within my uh, First Amendment rights to do this on public property, no expectation of privacy. It's not like I followed the woman home to her house or met her in a grocery store right. parking lot. And what people need to understand is the fourth arm of government, the administrative state. If you're um, a nurse, a doctor, a dental hygienist, if you're a, a real estate agent, a general contractor, a plumber, a barber, if you have a license with the state of Arizona and you go against something that the state of Arizona wants, they can come after you and they can throw a serious monkey wrench in your career. So I could be making twice the money that I'm making now as a nurse practitioner, right. but I'm not. I'm still working as a registered nurse in the operating room. And I basically said, this has to stop. Like someone has to be willing to stand up to this and to say enough is enough. Like um, elected officials should not be able to try and cancel or dox private citizens if they've done nothing wrong. Had I broken a law or actually like hurt somebody or did something, you know, dangerous yet. Yeah. Sure, of course, you know, then then boards do have control over their people. But when they don't do anything wrong, that's ridiculous. So what I knew at that moment was uh, something told me like, no, this is it. This can't happen to other people. There's no way. And with the people that I know that are already in government here in Arizona, what I also know is this, that someone like me, who's a radical constitutionalist, like I am like old school uh, Barry Goldwater, Ronald Reagan, Rand, Ron Paul, the Pauls, the doctors, Pauls, like all the way back, Thomas Jefferson, like the constitution. And that's it alone. That's how we govern. Someone like me would have a very difficult time once I was actually in office, if I was in the house of representatives or if I was uh, in the state Senate, I, I could get elected. I know I could get elected, um, with the right team and the right people and the right funding. Sure. But they would basically take someone like me and they would push me off in the corner right. and they would say, no, 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 you're, this is the <laughs> dangerous one. He stays over there. They wouldn't let me on any of the committees. I wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things that, you know, we elect our members of the house and Senate to do. So I said, all right, instead, uh, I'm going to run for governor, you know, and, um, you know, who, uh, actually appoints the nursing board. Take a guess. I have no idea. The governor. Uh, wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So those 12 people will be fired immediately. Um, for basically violating someone's rights and it'll send a message that, you know, we're not doing this to people. So, um, I knew that if I ran for the highest seat, um, in the state, I could put pressure on the house and Senate on the way down and basically sort of force them and force the members of my party to actually turn our party back towards the right where we should sure. be. Because f frankly, we're in this situation right now because the Republican party is failing us. Okay. Now, as a, now as a registered nurse, you you believe in God? Of course, absolutely. And I, I believe I, I in God because of my six kids. Well, true, and we'll get into that because that's an awesome story. But at some point over the past several years, 
you've seen some stuff change. It's made Arizona not like the way we grew sure. up. Because sure. Arizona, it is a blast, and it was a blast. But we are seeing a lot of changes that kind of are like, wait a second. Right. Well, things need to change. Absolutely. And so it's, it's great that people like you are coming out there. Sure. So what makes you so passionate? Well, um, I think one of the main reasons why is, you know, I'm a product of the 80s. I'm 43 years old. I remember um, as, a, as a kid watching, you know, Cuban boat people like land in Miami and being overjoyed and just thrilled with the fact that like we've made it. We're, we're to America now, you know. Right. Um, you know, I served all over the world. I, I've been to the Middle East three times. You know, the last time was during Operation Iraqi Freedom. I lived in Japan for years. I've traveled all over the world. I've been to places where people don't have freedom. I've been to places where tyrants have ruled over people, and I've seen the after effects of what that's like. And there's no way that I cannot not stand up and take a stand for everyone in the state of Arizona and say, no, we will not be ruled like subjects. Unfortunately, we're in this situation now where a lot of our elected state senators and representatives here in Arizona, it's literally like we're becoming two classes of people. Like we have to approach them on bended knee or something like and, and genuflect before the king. You know, <laughs> it, it, this is ridiculous. Like, like you're, you're my servant. I'm not your servant. Like I pay your salary. You need to do what I want you to do and what my group of people want you to do. Not what you want to do. No, it's funny you say that because growing up in the 80s. Yeah. We used to, we had a horse ranch and uh, we dealt with a lot of the politicians. And I remember as a kid going down to a place called Mag's Ham Bun at Scottsdale and Shea Mm -hmm. and sitting with Drinkwater. You know, uh, McCain would be down there when he was good and all that other stuff. And so these days you can't even get next to a politician. No, No, absolutely not. No. And I think that's being done on purpose. It's clearly being done on purpose um, because it's disconnecting the people from their power, you know, and people need to understand that we actually have the power. The people of Arizona have the power. Uh, Article 2 of the Arizona State Constitution is the Declaration of Rights. There are 34, uh, depending on which uh, one you use, 34 or 37 specific rights that are laid out that the government cannot do to you as an Arizona citizen. The same way we have a U.S. Federal Bill of Rights, we also have an Arizona Bill of Rights, okay? And I can tell you, I've had multiple conversations with legislators down at the Capitol. They, They don't know this. They, they don't, I, I don't know why they don't make them take a test. Like, this is the basics of the Arizona Constitution. Oh, is I it, agree. Is they it, is it A, B, C, or D? Yep. Normally, you can eliminate two when you got a multiple choice test. Like, <laughs> these guys don't know the very, very basics, which is why they pass laws that are unconstitutional. They do things that are unconstitutional. Elections get stolen. Uh, you know, mandates and, and things get passed that are unconstitutional. And it's because these guys don't actually know what the documents say. Everywhere I go, two things come with me, the Arizona State Constitution and the U.S. Constitution, okay? And I'm reading them constantly, all the time, over and over again, because they're like the Bible. As Christians, we're supposed to open our Bible and try to read them on a regular basis, do our best. We should be reading these documents, okay? Literally, uh, Franklin said, we have to have a well-educated electorate in order to secure our liberty and our freedom. We don't have that anymore. We don't teach civics and free enterprise in school anymore. We teach critical race theory and SEL and this stuff that is ridiculous, that's literally pitting classes of people and races of people against each other. And this is out of control. And, you know, I know, um, I know what I know, and I know that I would look back 10 years from now if I didn't do this, and I would have massive regret. 
You Absolutely. Know, re- regardless of the outcome of whatever happens in this race, if I sat back and 10 years from now, by then I'd be in my mid fifties and, and said that was my opportunity to do something. And I didn't, I would never be able to live with myself after that ever. Well, and you love Arizona. And you I, love I the love people of Arizona. So are you, okay. So we're going to stay on this, but you've got six children. So you I were do. part of a show called, and, and, and you say it's sex tuplets. Yeah. Sex tuplets. So that's like a rarity in the world. Yeah. And so it's Savannah, Bailey, Grant, Cole, Molly, and Blake. Yes, sir. That's awesome. Yeah. How, how old are they they're now? They're 14 now. Yeah. 14 now. Yeah. They're amazing. They, um, so they were born at 30 weeks and five days. The uh, smallest was one pound, 15, wow. uh, 14 ounces. The biggest was three pounds, one ounce. Uh, he was the only one that kind of looked like a normal baby, just a little smaller. Uh, everybody else looked like aliens. And I always joke around with them. And I tell them that uh, Savannah, the, who's the oldest, um, her picture was on the, the front cover of the Republic the day they were born. And she had this big head with this long, skinny body <laughs> and long fingers and uh, really look, you know, looked like an alien. So that's a joke that I have with them. But um, yeah, we struggled for years with infertility issues like a lot of people do. I uh, had multiple miscarriages, um, went to the fertility doctor. We, we did not implant six embryos. So there's a misconception that uh, anybody that has, you know, uh, triplets are up like, oh, right. well, you put in all those embryos. What did you expect? That's not what we did. So that's called in vitro fertilization. We did what's called artificial insemination, which is basically just put the swimmers in a turkey baster, put the turkey baster up there and let her rip. Same right. way, same way that you, you would inseminate, you know, cattle on a ranch right. or something. So, uh, now you're real close with the kids. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I have 50, 50 custody with my, my kids, 50, 50 parenting time. Um, my ex-wife and I divorced, um, gosh, it's been 10 and a half years now. Um, but you know, she remarried, um, and we, we have a good relationship, the three of us, uh, me and, and her and her husband. And, um, you know, we co-parent together and, um, it's just really important to, um, you know, constantly be that advocate in our children's ears that the one that's out there, you know, um, you know, teaching them, training them, uh, you know, and my kids all the time, whenever I'm posting stuff on social media, they have Instagram accounts only, they don't have Facebook, but, uh, they see the stuff that I post to Instagram, you know, and it's just like, dad, we're so proud of you, you know, and then they send me messages or we talk on the phone or on FaceTime or when I pick them up, you know, we'll sit and talk about it. And, um, they were the ones as well that said like, no, you have to do this. When they started telling me, dad, I want to go back to school. Like, I want to be with my friends. Like, this, this sucks. Are, are they in public school or private? They, they were in public school. Uh, we actually pulled them out um, about, well, it's been, gosh, it's been almost a year now. And, and we said, that's it. We're done. We're, we're not going to mask our kids. We're not going to make them subject to right. uh, coronavirus testing or any of this ridiculousness. And we said, we're not, we're not doing it anymore. And, um, and we're starting to see that all around the country. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, the public school system now is nothing more than a cultural indoctrination camp for right. Marxism, 100%. I mean, we're literally growing little Marxists, you know, and uh, we need massive overhaul in the educational system in the state of Arizona. Uh, I've told people over and over again, uh, on day one, one of the other things I'm going to do is take uh, ARS 1602, which is the Parental Bill of Rights, and I'm sending it to the legislators ahead of time and saying, on day one, you had better present me with the bill that takes ARS 1602 and amends the state constitution and those Arizona Declaration of Rights that we talked about, we're gonna add the Parental Bill of Rights into that Declaration of Rights. That way, it puts every single school district, superintendent, principal, teacher, administrator, everyone on notice. Like, if you violate this, this is the state constitution, you're done. 
you'll be removed. That's it. Like, we're not doing this anymore. We're getting away from teaching that America is a bad place or, you know, America, uh, you know, has made all these mistakes in the past and we continue to. And no, we're not doing that. We're going back to American exceptionalism. And that's what we're going to do in Arizona. Like, we're going to teach our kids the best. Yes, we'll teach our kids the things, you know, the mistakes along the way that the United States has made. But that's not going to be the main focus. The main focus is going to be on all the freedom and liberty that we've spread around the world. You know, um, it, it's just a shame now that kids are growing up with this idea that their country isn't the best country in the world. It's extremely different than what you and I grew up with. You oh, know, absolutely. It, it, it doesn't even make sense. So, um, and there are steps that we're going to put in place to literally do that. How yes. can people get a hold of you? Because I think they should definitely hear this and get yeah. you on some of these other shows. So uh, best way to get a hold of me, like I said, go through uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter. All the handles are the same. Uh, Brian Mache for Governor of Arizona 2022. My website is Brian Mache for Arizona Governor uh, 2022.com. My email that I have for the campaign is governormache at gmail.com. Um, those are the, really the best ways to get a hold of me. Um, it, it's unbelievably scary, the situation that we're in right well, now. Well, we're definitely going to have you back because there's, sure. there's a ton of stuff sure. to talk about and get you on some of these other shows. Yeah, absolutely. So, I appreciate it, Jason. Hey, Thank you so much. Hey, this is why we love Arizona, because we have some people that are fighting for you all the time. Yeah, right? thank you. Hey, anyways, sorry. I know we ran late today, everybody, but I uh, hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you on the next episode of The Lockbox, presented by The Grandin Group, Arizona's number one brother and sister team. See you soon. <laughs> Oh,